And welcome once again to Let's Be Clear. I'm tremendously excited this time to be joined by Miss Menopause. We're going to learn more about her as an individual, her mission in life, which we'll be very clear on by the end of it, let me tell you, and have a fantastically insightful conversation around the impact of menopause and what we all need to be aware of and what we all need to be educating ourselves to do about it. Very timely, actually, in the face of you know coming out of a pandemic or are we going into another one? Um, none of us really quite know at the moment. What we do know is that we've been faced with people's life circumstances that we were hitherto very unaware of. No longer can we say ignorance is an excuse or an opportunity to do nothing. And I know that that's something that Miss Menopause is going to push home very, very firmly with us during the course of this recording. So welcome once again to Let's Be Clear. I am proud, delighted, excited and looking forward to be educated both personally and professionally by Miss Menopause, whose mission in life is to educate everyone on the impacts of menopause and the effect that has both in employment and personal life for women and those that work with women. So without further ado, I'd love to hand over to you, Sharon, and say, what started this? Or Miss Menopause, oh. I should say. I've dropped the name. As well. <laughs> Where did this all start? There's, there's a kind of obvious answer, but I don't want to assume it. So um, for our audience's sake, where did this begin for you? Well, first of all, thank you for having me so much. I'm delighted to be here. Well, if you'd said to me nearly four years ago I was going to get passionately involved with the menopause, I would have said, don't be ridiculous. That's got nothing to do with me in my life. But because of my own lived experience, I'm not medically trained, I don't pretend or profess to be, um, I got really, really angry on several levels. Number one, because nobody had told me about this life event known as menopause. So I, I say my menopause, my magic as I've christened it, began when I was 47, I'm nearly 48 and I'm 53 years of age now. And literally I had no idea that what was happening to my mind and my body could have been menopause related. Now, I used to be a senior leader in a FTSE 100 company, and I thought I was pretty street smart. I thought I was wise, and I knew I knew a lot of things about a lot of things. So when somebody dared to say to me, Kate, and I have to say, dared to say to me, Sharon, do you not think this could be menopause? I was absolutely disgusted, by the way. I was horrified, because in my mind's eye, so I'm hoping that you and your listeners can forgive me, if you'd said to me, what does a menopausal woman look like? I would have said, probably hasn't worked for 20 years, is in her 70s and probably has a mobility aid, which is horrific, I know. So that's why I'm asking for forgiveness. So my question to myself was, how on earth did I not know about this thing called menopause? So intellectually, yes, I'd heard of the term and I knew it was something to do with the end of fertility. But the only things that I'd heard growing up were a couple of things, really. I'd heard about hot flushes, which was the only symptom that I'd ever heard referenced, really. And the only other thing on reflection I could ever hear or ever recall being talked about with menopause was my grandma. He used to talk about all of her friends going through the change in really whispered tones. And I used to be terrified that I might meet them on a dark night because nobody told me what they might ever change into. And probably the other thing in terms of my story was I knew at the age of 14, I just didn't think I was going to be a parent. So I just don't ask me why. But I remember having a conversation with my nana in her backyard. And she must have been asking me about the children I was going to have. And I distinctly recall saying, oh, nana, I'm not going to have any children. And she was horrified. And her response was, who will look after you when you are old? And I said, nana, I think I'll be dead when I'm old. Because I thought 
anyone 50 plus was very very old at the time and here i am at 53 which is which is mad isn't it um well, so, chicken i might say by the way well thank you some days <laughs> sometimes i feel okay and sometimes not but yeah that's just the aging process isn't it but generally yes i'm i'm happy to be here so i knew all the way growing up i wouldn't suffer from things like postnatal depression postpartum psychosis anything hormone related through pregnancy wasn't going to be wasn't going to happen to me so what I'm saying is it was my body, my choice not to be a parent. And so the shocking statistic is what I say is 100 percent of reproducing females will encounter menopause in some form or another. But 100 percent of those reproducing females may not become parents. And the point being is, look how far we've come with the disclosure of pregnancy over the years, quite rightly so. And we don't have an equivalent for menopause. So when I was asking around, and I mean, I, I was running uh, and still run another successful business, and I was having to go and lie down in the afternoon. Um, I couldn't function. I didn't really know what was happening to my mind and my body. The first symptom that I had, unbeknown to me, was um, night terrors. So I was always, I was always awoken for 4 a.m. in the morning, feeling like the world was absolutely going to end. And I couldn't reconcile why on earth I'd be feeling like that because my boss was lovely because it was me. And I couldn't understand what was happening. You know, there was nothing underwater happening in my home life. So, of course, I didn't associate that, that with anything to do with menopause. Why would I? The only thing I'd heard of was hot flushes. And so I had these different types of symptoms. And I think the thing that I want to get across is maybe, maybe some of the listeners like me thought or thought or think menopause is like a linear process. So I, I thought in my utter ignorance, I would go to bed one night, I would wake up and I would never have a period ever, ever again. And then I would live happily ever after like a Disney movie. That's probably how I thought menopause was because I, I knew so little about it. But let me tell you, most women are going to encounter menopause with those fluctuating and declining hormones initially, where you might still have regular periods, but encounter menopause symptoms many months and often years before you notice a change in your periods. So how on earth are you supposed to know and associate what's happening to your mind and your body with this life event that I call, you know, that, that I've christened, you know, menopause, I call it a life event. So I suppose mine was out of utter, utter, utter ignorance on my behalf. And then I guess shock and horror. So my tongue is firmly in my cheek when I say this. So let me tell you, nearly four years ago now, when I said it was menopause, nobody wanted to talk to me about menopause in the workplace. People would say as I, you know, as I, as I knocked on doors, why anybody? Why, you know, why would anybody want to talk about that? So I said at the time, well, either I'm a genius and I say my my tongue's firmly in my cheek when I say that, or either I'm completely crazy and, and I'm seeing something that no one else can see and so I'm delighted and you know over the last four years and probably more so in the last six to 12 months there's been much more noise and conversation around menopause in the workplace but I estimate there's still less than 10% of organizations who are doing anything of quality or of education around this subject so when I say about menopause is and I think some organizations get a little worried about it it's not more or less important than any other initiative that you might be encountering, whether that's health, well-being, mental health, AD&I initiatives, whatever they might be. What I'm saying is the scope is different. Reproducing females are going to encounter menopause, whether they like it or not. You know, we've got to get away from this idea that it's just happening to women of a certain age, which makes my toes curl, let me tell you. If you had been in my orbit at my worst symptoms, everybody would have been impacted by that. So my mission is, as you said at the beginning, is to educate everybody, whoever they are, 
Because I say menopause education can't harm anybody, but it can certainly really help you. Because women are insidious. We're everywhere. There's absolutely no escape. So we're either going to be colleagues, friends, or family members of yours. So, you know, some of the most profound feedback I've had has been from men. I can understand that because... yeah. You know, as a woman listening to you, and I'm a woman of 58 going on 59, so you are a spring chicken in in this audience. (laughs) Life events for me are married, giving birth, and then being ill for ages, not realising why, but actually because I've got lupus, which is, we didn't realise at the time, but was triggered by the hormones, of course. And then the second big flare-up of lupus has been since menopause. That's why the last 10 years or so at work have been quite challenging. Mm. And anybody that works with me will know that, you know, is she going to turn up or isn't she? But we know she'll be, she'll be good if she does, hopefully. So the kind of educated piece from women, how do we know it's happening to us? What do we look for? How can we help ourselves? Where's help for us? And then there's that education piece within the workplace of, you know, there are women around us of all ages and they will be manifesting symptoms potentially or they might not be. So what do we need to know? And if, if I was to say to you, OK, I'm managing a team of women and I want to know what I can do and what I look for and how I can be supportive and make sure that I engage and I'm inclusive. I don't lose anybody. What are the first things I need to really know? The first thing that I would say is, and I say this all of the time when I'm asked that question quite often, is educate, educate, educate. I think there might be this bold assumption that women just know about menopause, that we are A1 clued up about this subject matter. And right now in the 21st century, sadly, what I say is there's a huge void in in the lack of information because where this should really be talked about from day one is in schools. We should be educated from that right now. But that's just not happening. So it was planned to go into the curriculum last year, but with COVID, who knows whether that went in and to what quality and at what extent. But where we are now in the 21st century, everybody, and this sounds ridiculous, doesn't it, because we are the 21st century, everybody's really starting from the same level of no information practically if everyone can be educated so a number of organizations I might work with might say let's just educate our line managers and I'm saying absolutely that's a great starting point but what about educating everybody you could be a leader in an organization and often people will say well how do I start the conversation I said the first opening line for anything for me like that would be I'd say to another individual what do you know about menopause That's a really great question. And what you'll probably find is, depending on who you're speaking to, they might say, haven't really got a clue. So like I say, the starting point would be educate, educate, educate. So from a line manager's point of view, I think, like I say, it's asking the other person, exploring with them what they understand and maybe working through that together if your current organisation isn't discussing menopause. And the great news is, you know, we're doing a, a, a podcast today. There's loads of different formats that you can get your hands on information now. You can read about menopause. There's tons of books out there now. You can listen to podcasts. You can watch videos. But the point being is that learn about the subject matter. Um, but what I found, which is why I set up Miss Menopause as a service, a lot of it at the time, certainly just four years ago now, wasn't really, it was very medical. It wasn't really easy to understand. And it wasn't really cutting through all of the noise that I needed to get to because I'm a simple soul and I just like to know what's going on. And I think the main thing is, is that if you educate your people at the same time as your line managers, the message that I want managers to take away, first of all, is menopause isn't anything to be to be, to be worried and scared about. And I think a number of organisations are almost terrified. Oh, my goodness, we've got this menopause thing to deal with. Any organisation that you are currently working with that I'm currently working with will have beautiful policies and procedures in place already. I know they will. And an example I will take 
would be disclosure of pregnancy, for example. So I know that I was to disclose a pregnancy, beautiful policies and procedures when things would wear into motion. I might get a car parking space nearer the office if I'm on site. I might get a desk fan. I might get a review of my desk situation. My hours might be reviewed. So what I'm saying to any managers who come along and learn about menopause is this isn't about reinventing the wheel. This is just about just stopping for a minute and considering your own policies and procedures for health and well-being, AD&I initiatives, all of these things cut across menopause. So what do I know already about small reasonable adjustments? They can just be appended to this subject matter if needs be. So what we're saying is we've probably got the resources internally. It's about applying them and to apply them, therefore, we need to have the conversation we need to know. And these are for a number of women like yourself, uh, will be people who haven't admitted it to themselves, let alone no. to their life partner or their friendship groups or no. indeed their line manager. So you know, presumably we've got to create this atmosphere of this is a subject that's OK to talk about. Any thoughts on that in terms of what organisations can do? I get the educate, educate, educate piece absolutely right and totally support it. What else can we do, though? It's about that intention. So I guess you have to almost be big and bold. It's all about communication, always has been, always will be, won't it? But I would say to organisations that I'm going to work with, what you don't want to find is that you have what I'm calling this flash in the pan, where in 2021, 2022, you do something that everyone goes, all oh, right, we're talking about menopause this, you know, this month, this year, whatever, this week. And then it gets forgotten about. What I say to the individuals I work with um, in their organisations is what's your intention and what, what do you want your legacy to be? So my intention for those organisations to say, can, how do you weave this into the fabric of your business so it just becomes business as usual? So it's about if you start with the end in mind, and for some of the larger organisations that I work with, they might, be, you know, they might be having to do this over three to five years. It might be a longer strategic plan. But it might be, for example, if your intention is for all of your people to know who work here today and might have not, and the walls, those who haven't joined yet, is do, do they know they work in a menopause diverse environment? Do they know that? So that's the first thing. Yeah, and that, make, that makes absolute sense, actually. And I'm, I'm really glad that you've raised that because I've read some of the best policies on lots of different DNI um, programmes yeah. and, and important subject matters. Um, I've seen far less of them in action and I've seen lots of great action that's not been backed up by policy so it yeah. is about what we do it's also I think about impact I mean I think that's always key and I'm just thinking as I'm listening to you there that like everything else like when we talk about neurodiversity mm. we can't tick a box and say right we've got neurodiversity this is what we do if you're neurodiverse presumably with menopause every woman's experience is different yeah, so absolutely. Is, is, is it about understanding what the impact is for that individual and how we can mitigate that Absolutely. So I would say to you know individuals and those who work, love and manage them is everybody will have a menopause like themselves. So you can't say, you know, that all Sharons uh, born in 1968 who live in Newcastle are going to have a menopause like this and you can manage it like that. If only it was that simple, let me tell you. And that's what makes it incredibly difficult, not just for those who might be from an organisational point of view and the duty of care, but for the individuals themselves. So the key messages that I want individuals, because I'm all about accountability, and I always say to those who are non-managers who come along to my sessions, your line manager and your organisation should not care more about you than you care about yourself. So it has to really be an equal act of partnership. So yes, yeah. your organisation needs to do things in terms of duty of care, but you also need to play an equal act of part. And the key message that I'd like 
you know, the listeners to think about, reflect upon is this. And this applies to, to anyone listening. So you can either ask it of yourself or you could ask it of others, whether that's colleagues, friends, family, it applies to everybody. And the key question is this for me is, is the menopause impacting the quality of my life? That is the question. And the only person who can answer that correctly is the individual themselves. It's either going to be a yes or a no. And if the answer is yes, this is my message to everybody, then doing nothing shouldn't be an option. Because when I ask that question, the majority of individuals that I meet, statistically, eight out of 10 women are going to say, Sharon, not great. It's not a great, it's not been great at all. And one in four out of that 80% are going to say, really, really not great at all. And so my next question is always, well, what are you doing about that? Guess what most of them say? Nothing. Correct. (laughs) Correct. Absolutely correct. And I don't know where we've got this mindset. Maybe it's this, you know, this cultural stiff upper lip. You just have to get on with it. And I'm saying absolutely not. So what I'm talking about is an equal active partnership between an employer who needs to let their people know that they work in a menopause diverse environment. And that then that's that's starting with the end in mind. And then it's saying that by 2023, 2024. So it might be depending on the size of their organization, for example, they might look through a suite of education might, that might last them two years to get their hands on the majority of individuals who they believe needs to know this level of information. It might be by year three, they're going into maintenance mode and they're going to educate those people through attrition. So it might be one session a year or two sessions a year, for example. It might be, for example, after the initial training that an, an organisation do, but it's back to your wellbeing roadmap. And this is just you know, menopause slots in. So it might be in quarter one, um, you set up an intranet page. And I always say, okay, it should be no cost, low cost solutions. I say the biggest cost for most organisations is to stop a minute and think it through. Think it through. So, for example, I was working with one organisation. Well, I've worked with a couple and one thought it through and one kind of hadn't thought it through to the end. Where, for example, period poverty we know is a thing. Lots of women going through perimenopause, which is the, the technical term for when menopause begins for most women, is periods can become erratic. And some women will bleed more and some women will bleed less. And there's a real... Um, risk of episodes of flooding where periods are so heavy, you know, it might it might inhibit you know people from leaving the house, coming in, what have you. A simple low cost, no cost solution would be if you considered what vending machines, for example, you have in your organisation. So I was working with one organisation and they had quite a lot of on site, and so they noticed that some vending machines, the things they vended, they were for really light periods. Um, simple things like it might be in one quarter you get people within reason obviously you would have to you know manage this depending on your culture you might say draw a picture of what you think a menopausal woman looks like because it's quite fun and it can be engaging and you might pick the best one for quarter you know for the next quarter and design a poster that might go around the buildings or it might become a screensaver so it's just something it might go an induction pack it might go in a welcome pack just things that let people know when they've joined your organization you know, other simple things, if you use images for your organization, whether that's recruitment, retention or images around the building, consider 
people who look, you know, from a diversity point of view, but this is just, we're just talking about diversity here. It's interesting, if I can just sort of ask you a couple of things about what you said, because it's really, it's really fascinating, because we're talking about sort of visual aids and, and simple interventions that that, that show. So, so if, if I walk into an organisation as a menopausal woman, and I see within my facilities that, you know, should I have an emergency or a difficult mm-hmm. day, then I don't need to worry about it because I'm catered for. Yep. I can get that. There's something very practical, very practical there. Women bleed. We need to cater for that. We need to show that we're supportive. And so we can do that in practical terms. I think what men and people around us and and other women and me as a a woman are are, are less confident of is the less tangible elements, you know, the, and I've got quotations and I know you can't see me on the podcast audience, but I'm doing little quote marks around my head of, you know, the mood swings. Sure. The hot flushes. Yeah. um, the, The angry moments that, irrational the emotional all of this kind of stuff and I'm kind of thinking as part of a a wellness program and in part of an inclusion program what we need to look at is impact so for example a woman didn't necessarily have to tell us that she's menopausal what a woman needs to tell us is there's something about her life circumstances that's impacting on her ability to to enjoy her job and feel safe secure and, and, and looked after and it's those kind of things that we need to get that dialogue going about, isn't it? I suppose. Absolutely. If, if I've got somebody working for me who I've known for a while, mm-hmm. and I see some changes physically, emotionally, behaviourally, stamina-wise, you know, not sleeping, yeah. all of the different, and, and I know that the, the symptoms is the rut is as long as yeah. as it possibly can be, and as diverse as it can be. I'm I'm hopefully if I'm a decent manager of people, I'm going to kind of spot some of those things, and maybe because menopause is on my agenda as an organisation, I'm going to be able to invite those conversations and and, and confidently start to have that conversation. So that's kind of one thing. We've done the educate, we've done the awareness, to your point, um, and we know our staff and we've got a wellness programme. Mm. Recruitment, which is my passion, mm. that's my area. So I've got somebody sitting in front of me I've never met before, mm. and they might be behaving a little bit unusually for them, but it's not yeah. unusually for me. I'm just thinking that they may not be right for the job because of some of the things that are happening in the interview due to stress, due to having rushed and got overheated, due mm. to worrying about bleeding, due to any of those mm-hmm. things that might be happening with that individual what guidance can we give to a recruiter in terms of menopause and inclusion? Well, well, I, I think exactly. It's going. It's going to sound really boring. It's back to that educate because most people don't know what they don't know, and and some of the saddest things that I hear these are practically everyday occurrences. Women are telling me. I had one woman say, "Are you are you following me?" I said, "No, absolutely. I can assure her I'm not following you." But the most common thing women say is, "I thought I had early onset Alzheimer's." The second most practically outrageous thing I think women say to me is, I felt so alone. I felt so alone. Did you know you're in the least exclusive club on the planet? And women (laughs) genuinely don't seem to know this. So maybe from a practical point of view of recruitment, well, first of all, you'd have maybe images that reflect diversity of age. You know, well, just diversity. Diversity obviously has many, 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 many facets to it, doesn't it? but certainly consider age as an element. And I think age is often forgotten. I think there's other things that seem to be more uh, current, shall we say, than, than age. So I think represent different images that would that maybe think, oh, that could be me in that workplace. I think also, I think it's about, um, you know, welcome packs. So when you're inviting people to interviews, you might put information in those packs that references you know you you are about to work you know could be working for a menopause diverse employer 
all right, you've got me going now. I'm excited. <laughs> I'm always excited. But so, for example, so and, and I love to learn. Okay, so this is sure. educational for me as well. And and so we we do do um, a lot of work with with our recruiters on our inclusive hiring around, you know, making sure that we give somebody, you know, t- if you, you know if, you, if you're anxious, then you've got time, you know, arrive five minutes earlier. We, mm-hmm. we get receptionists to, to notice if people are feeling stressed and, and, and have glasses of water. Our interviewers are saying, have you got everything mm-hmm. you need? Are you comfortable? But I've, I've never put anything, I'm just holding my hands up here, I've never put anything in an interview pack or an interview training saying, as with the age demographics, we're getting more and more women coming through who will be menopausal, who are changing jobs at that mm-hmm. stage in their career, which mm-hmm. is a change demographically as well. At this age, traditionally, women would probably not have been moving jobs as much as they are doing now so what are we doing in our interview packs and for all women coming in saying we understand if you've got hot and bothered we understand if you're stressed and anxiety we understand all of that so all you've got to do is say i need a minute and we we will get it so just doing that in an interview pack could make a big difference massive and and like i say like i said at the very outset this is small no cost low Mm -hmm. cost it's the cost to think it through (laughs) yeah um, I, I, yeah, that's good. I like you that. know, and I'll tell you a story, and the, and the organisation shall remain nameless because I don't want to reference what what this is. But there was a lot of noise um, a couple of months ago about an organisation who was going to start to pay, for example. So it's not recruitment, but just in general, pay for HRT for individuals in that organisation, which on the surface seems like a brilliant, brilliant thing. The feedback I've got under the surface was that organisation maybe didn't quite think it through enough. And what I mean by that is if they just thought it through and thought, because a number of women will say, I never want to take HRT, my body, my choice, or I can't take HRT. So yep. to me, if only that organisation had stopped a minute and thought it through and thought maybe the equivalent is a £10 voucher, which is roughly the equivalent for a prescription these days. And any woman who discloses menopause, if that was going to be their process, can have access to a £10 voucher where they can buy anything they want linked to menopause. But instead, they specifically made it HRT. So it's upset loads of women. I, I might be inclined to think that if we give all the women HRT patches, the problem will go away. Yeah, perhaps, perhaps. And I wasn't even being that cynical. I was just referencing the noise that I was hearing under the surface where if if you and I would say about anything you do, and this is you know anything to do with you know DNI, you know mental health, well being, whatever. You need to keep your funnel or your thought processes wide. Yeah, you need to keep and it consult wide, with not the people. Not, yeah, not consult narrow it down. It, it's really interesting with DNI because, and we often say this. It'd be interesting to, to, to get your feedback, Sharon. Is that um, in any other campaign of communication, you're going to do some focus groups and. You're going to ask the audience, mm-hmm. and you're going to market test it before you before you go with your initiative. Of and for some reason, in some areas of DNA, where we're a little bit nervous, a bit hesitant, and we just have an idea and think that'd be great, and we don't yeah. market test it, we don't yeah. take feedback, and therefore it's well intentioned, which is great, and let's harness those good intentions, please. Let's yeah. do that. But good intentions do not always bring the impact that they desire, and and that's disappointing for everybody, including those with the good intentions. Absolutely. And I think, like I say, and this isn't just because I do what I do, what I'm saying is really it needs to start with an element of education because don't make the assumption that the people you might ask the questions of will have the answers because nine times out of ten, again, because we want to keep that diversity wide, you want to ask anybody at any age what might, you know, what their ideas might be, but a lot of them don't know what they don't know, so they won't be no. able to join in the conversation right now. You know, and I think it's really fascinating. One of my the most shocking statistics I ever learned about early on was 
allegedly one in 100 women could encounter what's classed as early menopause. So these are women under the age of 45, or there's another term called POI, which is given to the, the ages of women under the age of 40, and it stands for premature ovarian insufficiency. I can't say I'm a fan, but it's a medical term, not one that I've created. Mm-hmm. And the most common reasons that those individuals may encounter um, menopause is because of chemical and medical reasons. So I mean things like hysterectomies and sadly cancer treatments are all too common. So just imagine if you have a colleague who might be really anxious and concerned about those treatments or those uh, interventions they're about to encounter. I had never, ever thought about this on top of that. So some of those individuals literally the day after will encounter menopause literally overnight. And so unlike those, and I'm going to use the term natural menopause for want of a better description, but those who go through a, a natural menopause might have had months, often years, to lead up to the things that happen to their minds and their bodies. These are individuals where it falls off a cliff the day after. Yeah. So the severity yeah. of what they're encountering. So again, that's just something to bear in mind. So statistically, you know, one in 100 humans, that's a lot of people, yeah. depending on the size of your organization, statistically could be encountering early menopause, yeah. which is something that you may never have even considered at all. I know I hadn't. So, you know, we've got to get away. And the thing that makes my toes curl the most is when organisations say, right, Sharon, what we want you to do is work with our women of a certain age. I'm like, ah, technically, menopause could happen to anybody at any age. It's most likely to occur for women in their mid-40s onwards. That's just the statistics of it all. But, you know, we've got to get away from this pigeonholing of, you know, women, I'll be able to spot. And I'm going to be super polite here, Kate, and so... Perhaps I read a story where somebody um, a couple of years ago had suggested women, menopausal women might want to wear a badge. Now, let me tell you, at my worst <laughs> symptoms, you would have not wanted to give me something with a pointy end. <laughs> just saying. Just saying. It's interesting, Sharon, because you've, you know, I, t- I totally get this theme of educate, educate. I totally get this theme of, you know, do something about it and have to take personal accountability. And I also totally applaud what you're doing. I think it's fantastic. And for me, since we were first introduced to you at the Clear Company, I've become very aware of the fact that, you know, on the news, corporately, you know, yeah. National Menopause Day, all of these things are happening. Yeah. Um, so so it is getting its profile. And and that's all about, you know, doing the right thing by women and making sure that we can fulfill our careers, et cetera, et cetera. But I think the other thing is, as you've said, and, and, and anybody who, who has the good sense to go to your website or engage with you can see that, you know, this is a very expensive mistake if we don't get it right, isn't it, Sharon? Absolutely. Well, it's the, the ta- your talent is leaving out of ignorance. So what's tending to happen is, and I'm going to be super non-technical here, is women are waking up one day often feeling a bit meh. That's my super technical description. And yeah. these are very common things like, I'm feeling really anxious. Um, I can't sleep very well. I've put my keys in the kettle. I've gone upstairs and I don't know why. And often symptoms of menopause at the outset aren't enough. And for most, again, I'm being very generic here, for most women to keep them away from the workplace. So they know they don't feel 100%. They feel different than the way they've ever felt before, but not enough to keep them away from the workplace. So they're turning up for work and at the very, very least, hiding away in corners, hoping that nobody really notices that they're not firing on all cylinders. You might say, oh, Sharon, you know, I'd like you to accompany me to, you know, to this presentation, or I'd like to meet the senior team. And I'm going, no, no, send Louise, it's fine, because I'm terrified that I'm going to forget my own name. 
in the middle of a sentence. That's what's happening to lots of women. But at the very, very worst, out of utter ignorance, women are putting two and two together and coming up with 46. And I say that, you know, many, many individuals are very, very good at deciding that the reason that they feel differently is because they're older, because we've never been this age. So what was, and I was doing this, I was going, well, Sharon, you've never been 50 before. So this just must be what happens to you when you get older, because I was ignorant. And so I would say this isn't empirical research. But again, I've met thousands of women over the years now. I would say within less than six months, many, many women have decided that it's unfair to take the salary that they've always had because they can't perform the way they've always done that. And they're leaving out of utter ignorance. And this is why I say ignorance can no longer be an excuse for everybody, for workplaces to say, well, oh, I hadn't considered that, or for individuals not to have access to that knowledge because most individuals when given the right information will self-manage so it negates yeah. the reason for organizations to be overly concerned because most people are good people in the world I find if you give them the right information they'll go off and just sort it out because they don't want to feel differently or unwell or either yeah no I, I absolutely I absolutely agree and, and you know there's the women self-selecting out and we do do that so the women that aren't doing anything, as you said earlier, probably are doing one thing, which is ploughing on, because that's what that's what we do. Yes. You know, you, you referred to it as, as a stiffer. I think there's a female trait again. I think there is yeah. empirical evidence about that actually that mm. we feel a sense of failure immediately. Yes. So you know, imposter syndrome kicks in, and before yeah. we know, it, we're like, well, if I pretend it's not happening and I just work two dozen hours more, I'll get through it. I'll look like shit, but I'll I'll, I'll get through it, and it'll yeah. be all right at the end. Yeah. But alongside that, we've got the fact that the impact of some of these things means that we're being overlooked for promotion. And if I'm a line manager, be, be me a man or a woman, you know, I'm just saying I am a line manager. I've got people in my team. Yeah, yeah. Well, I used to be able to rely on, but they've come a bit flaky recently and, I'm, and that's making me wobble. I'll mm. choose somebody else. I've lost yeah. a great resource and the individuals lost the, uh, what I call the access to a, an opportunity that could have an impact on their career going forward. So I think, you know, to summarize, because um, we've run out of time, which is not surprising considering the amount we've got to share. <laughs> Is that we need to? Edu it's education for all. I, yes. I really, you know, want to encourage women who are of whatever age feeling that something's changed, but you know, get some advice, get some guidance, get some support, and, and find out what's happening to you. And um, for organisations to connect with yourself at Miss Menopause, look on government websites. We've got Menopause Awareness Day. Sure. There's all sorts of resources out there now. You know, please let's let, let's keep this on the agenda. Um, and with everything else that everybody's got to think about. <laughs> um, you know, let, let's offer that support. And you know, before we close, and I tell people to go on social media, is there a last message you've got for our audience that we would like to close with today? Well, I'm just going to say this: don't think if you're listening and you're thinking, "Well, this doesn't really apply to me," because I work in a male-dominated environment, and there's only a few women in my organisation, so that doesn't really apply to me. Some of the most profound feedback I've had has been from men who've told me that often left to their own devices, they would have not have chosen to learn about this subject matter because, you know, quite rightly, they probably think, well, that's got nothing really much to do with me. But when I have men who contact me after the events to say, learning about this is probably going to help to save their marriage. So if you want to be an employer of choice to send you, you know, to be a point of difference, my message, and I truly mean this, is to educate everybody. So I work with lots of manufacturing organizations who might historically and still currently would say they're more gender heavy on, you know, on, on male colleagues. So it truly is my mission is to educate everybody just so women 
can work through this life event and get out of the other side. And that organizations keep good people, whoever they are, because ignorance, like I say, can no longer be an excuse about this. No, ignorance is definitely not bliss in this context. Reminds me to say thank you so much. I know how incredibly busy you are, rightly so, with the fantastic work that you do. Miss Menopause, everybody, is our latest um, Let's Be Clear podcast guest and details on social media as to how to find Miss Menopause, how to find the Clear Company, how to learn more about this fantastic topic and about what we'll be talking about next are available. But it's been fantastic. Yeah, I've loved you. every minute of it. I look forward to speaking to you again. Thanks thank again. You. Thanks. Bye. Bye.